those Benfica boys are balling. Those Benfica boys are balling. I have to say it twice just so that when it's all said and done, one loss all season in all competitions after 42 games. That's including the Champions League. Joao Mario is playing out of his mind. Rafa Silva is playing out of his mind. Gonzalo Ramos is playing out of his mind. And it's not just that they haven't been beaten. It's the quality of their wins, the quality of their goals. No matter whether it's a sub or the, the first team playing, you never see a lackluster Benfica performance. It's been... We're, we're two-thirds into the season now, so it's no longer a fluke or a crazy run. Roger Schmidt has done the thing there. Came in the season... Yes, it's the league at North, so you could say it's an easy league to get something over, but it really isn't because Sporting Lisbon are also playing out of their mind. Porto are also playing out of their mind. But whatever the Benfica boys are producing on the pitch, I've not seen any other squad do that this season. The hype has been around Napoli with Varadzkelia and Osimen going insane there. But, and I mean, and of course, this has led to uh, Napoli being labeled as dark horses, rightly so. But for me, <laughs> and as for this, as for me and this podcast, we are looking at Benfica. They are the darker horses for this Champions League. And you had it here first. What it do, what it does, what it is, what it isn't. This is the podcast, your one-stop spot for everything sporty. Coming straight to you from the heart of the 254 on this, the 11th day of March. Uh, hope you've had a beautiful week. Hope you've had a lovely, lovely, productive. Is it the first or second week of March? Yes, second week of March. Um, we sure have enjoyed ourselves. Still reeling from uh, whatever happened at Anfield the other weekend. But we move regardless. Well, we don't move regardless. We sit down, look at the pain, feel it, let it, you know, let it, let it do what it needs to do, and then we move. Because yeah, that, that's just not something we ignore. But I really do not want to believe about that much anymore, and want to get straight into the action this midweek. Uh it's been it's been a good week for sports. It's been a good week of sports, rather. We've had. A uh, tantalizing round in the UEFA football this week with the final legs of the round of 16 in the Champions League and the first legs of the round of 16 in the Europa and the Conference Leagues. Uh, we'll get right into it to the team. I've just been talking about the team I was highlighting in the intro. Benfica. They beat Club Rouge 5-0 at home. And this, the, the final did uh, slowly, I mean, the final doesn't properly capture the, the beauty and what, the, what their display truly was. It could have been more. It should have been more. The, the, the tactical play, the nature of the goals, the quality of whatever Gonzalo does there in the middle to find Rafa Silva, whatever Rafa Silva does to find João Mario, they all seem to want to pick each other out with a prettier pass that, than the one that got to them. And Fair is fair. They eliminated a Club Bruges team that is, what, 2-12 in 12 since Scott Parker joined them. <laughs> I never understood the decision to hire Scott Parker. 
even when it was happening, had just been sucked by, is it Fulham or Bournemouth? He's just been sucked by Bournemouth, I think, yeah. So, Club Bruce still decided to give him that chance. And, yeah, after that 7-1 aggregate thrashing, he got sucked again. He got sucked again by the team from Belgium. They normally boss that league. So, for him to be third and to be out of the round of 16, he had no saving grace. But, in as much as you could say that Benfica faced weaker opponents in this round of 16, you have to appreciate the fact that they only faced these weaker opponents because they came first in a group that includes PSG and Juventus. You have to further appreciate the fact that they've only lost one game the whole season after playing 42 games in all competitions. When it comes to the UEFA, they only drew two games. These were the PSG games. So... The stats, the stats they're putting up, the quality and the quantity they're putting up, they're passing the eye test. I, I, I honestly can't see any of the clubs remaining putting up a problem, like putting up a genuine, genuine problem for Benfica. There's no draw that they would get from any of the teams with the possibility of qualifying for the quarterfinals. That would leave me thinking, oh shit, they're fucked. I would love to watch them playing Napoli. That would be my ideal like final. But I don't see Bayern proposing that much of a threat for them. Yes, Bayern beat PSG 2-0, but it was a lackluster PSG performance. And the Bayern performance was just the, the mundane needed, for lack of a better way of putting it. It was just the bare minimum needed for them to get over the hump and to qualify. Yes, Sadio Mane is back, Gnabry is bowling, Mula is back into the squad. So they're getting a few of their pieces back. And Jan Soma is settling in well. Made a couple of saves against Bayern. Uh, Delhi is also settling in well. We're starting to see the Delhi of Ajax days. Uh, whatever happened at UV seems to be a blimp. That goal line clearance was mad. I don't even know where he came from because he's not in the frame when, is it Vitinha passes the ball into the net, but a second later and he's flying across and with another one, I'll give him that. But I still don't see them posing a threat to Benfica. Especially not to Benfica. If they get Benfica at home for the second leg, they're fucked. If Benfica is playing at home second leg, they're fucked. Because just imagine going to a stadium where the fans have only watched their team lose once in 42 games. Imagine what that atmosphere must be like. Imagine the, the hype, the energy that's feeding into the crowd. I watched it on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I think, yeah, it was Tuesday. I watched it on Tuesday and that's, it galvanizes the team on a whole other level. Even when 3-0 up, 4-0 up, the, the constant support and the nature of the chance from the fans, it just really, really kept them going to a level where that home advantage, in as much as home court advantage, is not a thing in this year's UEFA. Benfica have a serious, serious home advantage. It's not like Liverpool's where they just sing, you'll never walk alone at the beginning and then when they score and then at the end. No, this is a genuine serious atmosphere that will rock any, 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 any of the big clubs, any of the supposedly big clubs rather. I don't see a Chelsea putting up that much of a fight against them. Uh, in as much as, yes, the win against Dortmund was impressive considering they hadn't won two games in a row since October. And they hadn't scored two goals in a game since the year started. And they were facing a Dortmund team that had won every match, I think, since the World Cup. 
that ain't lost at all this year. So it seemed like a Herculean task for Graham Potter and his men. But they came through with uh, goals from Sterling and uh, was it Havertz? Yes, the penalty Havertz. Uh, it's, it was still a shambolic performance. It was still uh, all over the, over the place performance. But the wingbacks, Rich James and Chilwell, showed their, how essential they are to this team winning. They come back and all of a sudden they have defensive uh, solidity. They have attacking options going forward. It's not just pass through the middle and hope Havertz does something. They have crosses coming in. And if Sterling blunders, there's always someone behind him to give him a second ball. And yeah, despite all this though, Benfica would still be a threat to them. Benfica would still do them dirty, to be honest. That would not be, it would not be a contest that uh, Chelsea, the Chelsea boys want. Same goes for Milan. Struggling to get into the top four in Syria. Uh, just got by with our one nil away win in the first leg to come to the Spurs Stadium and uh, settle the tie in a stalemate. Mainyan saved them. Uh, Hurricane should have scored from that last free kick. But they have nothing against this Benfica boys. This Benfica boys are balling. I'm going on and on and on about them so that when they inevitably win, and inevitably dead, when they eventually win, you, you'll remember. You'll... Uh, it, it will always be remembered. That podcast called it first. Maybe Don Carlo and his team could pose a problem for them, but I don't see his heroic heroics coming through this season. Uh, they're getting caught out with that lack of attack on the left. Karim is always uh, injured in and out, and the the the, the it factor they had last season, playing with a chip on their shoulder and playing with a point to prove till the final minute. Nah, I don't see that happening against this Roger Schmidt team. So, yeah. I'm hoping I'm not proved wrong. I, I, would, I would like to be, but the Benefico boys are on, they're on something else. They really are on something else. And to wrap up on the European, to wrap up on the European roundup, we had the Europa League on Thursday. After the hype that was Tuesday football, that Benfica game and that Chelsea game, the Wednesday football was quite meh, if we're being honest. Bayern's game was right. The Milan game ended on a nil-nil. But Thursday, Thursday was full of all the dramatics. Uh, first, the Man United match. We were hoping for a response. We were hoping to see a performance that will wash the bad taste of Anfield off of our mouths. And we got somewhat there. We got somewhat there. The performance wasn't all that. Yes, it ended 4-0. I mean 4-0. It ended 4-1. But you could still see, like what, what that Liverpool match did was it took the veil off of just looking to results and using that as a determinant for Man United playing well. Once that veil was taken off and you sit down and actually scrutinize the quality of our... You could see that... Uh, there's a lot still lacking, uh, not just with the team. I mean, not just with the depth of the team, but with the structures of our play. The final third, we still lack uh, our clinic call number nine. With all Wegost's credits to Wegost and all he's doing and he's playing well for nine out of the ten things he needs to as a 
as a number nine. It's just that clinical finishing. On Thursday, he yes, he scored, but he missed two, three clear chances. Uh, especially once we were three, three up, and we were missing chance after chance after chance. Uh, you could see that. Okay, fine. Here, there's still some work to do, but there's some good work that has been done. But shout out to the boys. Shout out to Samakas. Shout out to uh anthony with that trademark boot of his uh who else well scored anthony wegost marcus rashford and whoever scored that fourth one <laughs> i for the life of me cannot remember now um but yes that one at least went well no unnecessary stress but the other matches there was that Union Berlin and Union St. Gilloy. I can't, I can't pronounce that other Belgian team well. But that was a match and a half. It was a 3-3. Uh, Union Berlin was playing at home, but they were always needed a goal. They were always a goal behind and needed a goal to come back and equalize the match. That, Belgi- that Belgian team is serious. That Belgian team is balling. Um, yeah, that Union St. Gilloy team, it's, it's, it's balling, balling. But that first Union Berlin goal, that free kick, oh my God. In fact, just pause, pause whatever you're listening to here now. Go watch that highlights. Go watch that free kick because his technique, whatever he does, the, the way he calls the ball, I mean, the way he sneaks the ball into the inside of the left net, for lack of a better way of putting it. It's just a thing of beauty to watch. Then the way he lifts his leg, it's... It's like Ward Prowse and Panambucano, Junino Panambucano, for those who know their football. It's like the two of them had a crossbreed of their technique and it released whatever that first goal was. But the match ended 3 3. It was a tantalizing back and forth. I say tantalizing a lot today, <laughs> but a lot has been. Yeah, back and forth. Uh, the second leg next week should be. Should be a, a match and a half to watch, especially considering Union Berlin were needing the push and the galvanization of the 12th man, the fans. So it should be interesting to watch how they cope with that Union St. Yeloa uh, when they played the return leg in Belgium. Another match that had a back and forth that was interesting to watch, I have to find another word apart from tantalizing, uh, is Sporting Lisbon versus Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal went ahead with a corner in this one. Sporting came back with the corner. Sporting came back 2-1 and then Arsenal came back 2-2. Arsenal are showing some, some the, the push to give the minute everything until the end. Uh, however, in this one, in as much as they are having an attack and attack and wave and a wave after wave, they just didn't have that finishing there's that finishing knack that they always lack well not always that they've been lacking I saw it uh, in the Manchester United Arsenal game early in the year Uh, for like 15 minutes they were just spraying balls across the box with no one to finish them I saw it again against Sporting this this, but this was in Portugal so hopefully when they come back to North London they'll be able to finish the job stay in the uh, tournament and keep the schedule loaded dead <laughs> and to finish up on the important europa league matches the angel the angel di maria 
He did that thing again for Juventus. Splendid header, 1-0. Uh, let's see how they do against Freiburg in the return leg. And my guy, Xabi Alonso's team. There's that number 10 playing there. Also scored a sublime goal. He touched it with his left to create space and then just curled it in with his right from the left side of, of the post. That's another goal you should watch. That's another highlight not to be missed. But yes, next week uh, should be very interesting for some of these matches, especially for the 2-2 and the 3-3 draw. Uh, most of the other matches seem quite settled. Even the Shakhtar for a nude match, that was also something, especially considering how Shakhtar playing in the Dutch league, the really cabinet. So that should be an interesting match to watch. With the Conference League, the only thing interesting there was Mikel Antonio scoring two. Uh, the second one was, was a beaut. It was a curl and a half. Not as beautiful as Anthony's, but it was right up there. Uh, yes, sticking to football or... Wrapping up with football, we have plenty, plenty, plenty coming up this weekend uh, with the EPL, La Liga, and Syria, with all the European leagues essentially entering the final third of their, of their roundup, of their match days. I don't know how to end that sentence. Yes, but they're all entering the final third. It's entering what we would call the business, business end, now, like now. Yeah, now, now things are for real. Now, now the table really matters. Uh, but they're still fast, so <laughs> I guess our jolly. The, the EPL match the weekend will be opened up by... um. That doesn't sound like English. But the first match of the match day, essentially what I'm trying to say, the first match of the match day will be Bournemouth versus Liverpool. Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth coming back from... I mean, coming after suffering that Last minute defeat to Arsenal. We'll have a point to prove. Liverpool has just beaten us 7 0. They beat Bournemouth 9 0 at the beginning of the season. Anyone who's read the script, anyone who watches EPL every other day, will know this match will end one way and one way only. A stupid Bournemouth win. I'm calling it 1 0 or 2 0. Just a dumb, dumb win that Liverpool fans would be able to expect. Because just as it's getting good, just as the highs are getting high, they'll tumble back to the ground. But of course, I mean, I'm, I'm a Liverpool hitter. So even if even if they were on a 30-match winning streak, I'd still predict a loss. No, but on this one, genuinely, if you're a betting man, if this will have come out before the match, that is, I would put everything I have and everything my father has on Bournemouth because the EPL will always EPL. Um... And that coach, that Bournemouth coach looks like he's, he's, he's galvanized. I've used galvanized just as much as tantalized. He looks like he's calibrating his team to be proper fighters for this relegation battle. Remember, there are teams struggling to maintain, I mean, struggling to stay after just being promoted last season. So they'll play like they have nothing to lose. So yeah, I can assure you of a Bournemouth win there. Uh, then the... The slate, the slate this weekend uh, will be followed by a couple of matches. We have Leeds against Brighton, Everton against Brentford, Leicester against Chelsea, and Tottenham against Nottingham Forest. Uh, for the Leicester-Chelsea match, Chelsea coming off of that Dortmund win will be looking to make it three in a row. Leicester are sleeping. They're struggling. They can't get up. <laughs> then, uh, that just made me laugh like that. But yeah. It's seeming like uh, 
they're bound to get relegated. They're about that the, the fairy tale story is bound to end them being relegated. It might be this season, it might not be. For Brenda Rogers' sake, I hope it's not. But that Chelsea away game, I mean that Chelsea at home game doesn't look like the best match to have, especially after losing to Southampton last last weekend. And yeah, Chelsea have not had an away win since October. So it seems like the best time for them to get one. And it's looking booky for Leicester. But it's also Chelsea. So they might be having that Liverpool cast off just when it gets good. Everything else tumbles. Speaking of everything tumble, tumbling, Spurs against Nottingham. In a span of three matches, Spurs have gotten eliminated from the FA Cup, eliminated from the US. They've not scored any game goals in those three games. Conte has been out on, uh, after, I mean, on surgery. Conte has been out recovering from his surgery, coming back to questions about his job and whether his tenure will stay there. I mean, whether he'll stay there for longer. Nottingham Forest, on the other hand, are balling out of their minds. They fought for that 2-2 uh, draw against Everton last weekend. Uh, Johnson is playing ridiculous. That second goal was insane. So this could be a draw or a surprise Nottingham Forest win. Um, and with it being six points separating the bottom nine, the, all these teams are playing with, with, a, with a huge chip on their shoulder because they know three bad results and you could find yourself propping up the table. So it's now, now it's not the best time to visit these this teams that look like they're down on their luck. Uh, speaking of teams that are down on their luck, uh, Vieira, no, 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 before you get to Vieira, there is that Everton match. They're facing Brentford. Brentford are 10th, uh, playing well. Everton are also sleeping. They're falling. Now, not doing it again. Uh, okay, they can't get up. I just had to finish. Um, but yeah, they also look like they're, 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 now they're playing every match as if it's a final because, yeah, every, every single point counts there. And but nah, I'm, I'm not seeing anything other than a Brentford win there. To wrap up today's slate, Man City is facing Crystal Palace. They are going to visit. Is Patrick Vieira a Man City legend? Yeah, fuck it, we'll give it to them because Man City don't have that many legends. Ah, uh, yes, they're, they'll be visiting a former legend in the form of a coach in Patrick Vieira now, whose team is also having a. Uh, 2023 filled with tribulations here and there. They are finding it hard to score goals. They're finding it hard to get wins. I think this whole season, this whole calendar year, they've only won one game. Not a, it wasn't a league game either. Tell, uh, facing Man City coming from such a rec- I mean, facing Man City with such a record in mind is not the easiest of endeavors to to go to endeavor endeavors to do it endeavors to to do but i believe in this cp team well i believe in them less and less but i still do believe in them and they might they might eke out something today hopefully i draw something but that's just me a man me being a man city hater oh i forgot to talk about leeds and brighton bro the zombies men are boiling those brighton players they 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 they, they, they uh the benefica team reminds me of Brighton in that you can clearly see the manager's fingerprint in how the team plays. You can see that in how Brighton builds up their balls. 
the 44 to play from the back, get to the wings, get Mitoma in, get McAllister up and bang. So that's to be able to do that and to keep Caicedo, to do that after selling Trossard, to, to keep the discipline in the team and all that. Yeah, Dezerbi is really <laughs> is really showing out to be a good manager and I can, I can understand why the Chelsea were linked to him to begin with. But Javi Garcia at Leeds also has something to prove, especially with the team also in their own relegation battle. It's nine teams in a relegation battle, so you, you understand, yeah. Also, that team facing its own battles, yeah. That should be that should be a very, very, very interesting match to watch. As for tomorrow's slate, Man United is facing Southampton. We need a win there at home, but that's a Southampton team. Fuck. They're also facing a battle and they can put up a fight. They can really put up a fight. They had two clean sheets in the last three games. What Browse is scoring uh, set-piece balls left, right, and center. Yeah, there'll be there'll be a real, real issue to 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 get through. But I hope we need that win. We need that win because yeah, seven is still at the back of our minds. As for the league leaders Arsenal, they face Fulham, who are on a seven game unbeaten streak before the game on Monday. Watch out for Solomon playing number eleven in that Fulham team. He's he's a baller. He's he's a baller and a half. That that trip for Arsenal to to their fellow London side in Craven Cottage will not be as easy as the Arsenal fans would like it to be. Just to quickly finish up on football, with the La Liga, with the El Clasico on the horizon, uh, Real needs a swing of results to go their way for that to be a match which is one win within the league. As in... It's a six-point gap now. So if Real win and Barcelona lose, they go into the match next weekend with a three-point gap between them. So winner, winner takes first. Uh, they're facing Espanyol uh, with Jose Lu. Jose Lu always does the thing against Real for some very strange reason. He always comes, and it's always a banger. If you're a betting man, put everything you own and your dad's own on Jose Lu going against Real Madrid. Uh, who are Barcelona facing? Barcelona facing whoever they're facing. Um, but yeah, it, next week will be the second of of three El Clasicos this month. The first one last weekend. Last weekend. The first one last week on last week, but one on Thursday ended in a Barcelona win. That was in the Copa del Rey, the first leg of that semi-final. Barcelona are facing Athletic Club tomorrow. Are we? If they lose that, Real win today. Uh, easy, easy, easy pickings. On the other side, on the other side, in Italy, uh, we have Napoli running away with it. Although they're facing Atlanta today in what should be a tantalizing match. Okay, that's the last time I say that word, I promise. Uh, look out for Ademola Lukman and Hoimund in, in Atalanta. And yeah, look out for the whole of that Napoli team because they are balling. Juve, they're seventh. So who cares? Uh, is there anything else in football? Oh yeah, Lil did the thing yesterday. It seems like PSG season is just over on all fronts. Jonathan Davids is killing it there. Balogun, was his name Balogun? This Arsenal loanee. 
Was it Loni or I think it's Balogunia? He's also killing it in the Ligue One. You'd think Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe are the top three scorers there, but nah, nigga. Jonathan David, remember the name. Moving on swiftly uh, to other sports this weekend. And the main role this weekend is the Six Nations. Hell yeah, Six Nations is back, baby. After a one week break. Yeah, it's just been a week. Was it two? Okay, after a break, um, uh, following the third round, the Six Nations is coming back this weekend, and uh, this year's Six Nations is all that more is made all that more important by the fact that the Rugby World Cup is seven months away to be hosted in France, who were looking like the world number one for a while there. They won a Grand Slam last last year. The Grand Slam meaning they beat all the other five teams in the Six Nations. The their cohort of Akina Roman Tamak, they're, they're bowling, they're bowling. But there's a new bad boy in town. <laughs> and by the name of the Irish. They beat uh France in week two, or the round before last round. They beat them comprehensively in Ireland to end France's run of 14 games without a loss. They came again, beat Italy, they beat Wales, so they stand at first. They stand at first five points ahead of Scotland, England and France who are tied at 10. And Italy has one, Wales has zero. Shout out to that Italy team, okay, also because they're normally the, the, the beating... The punching bag, yeah. They're normally the punching bag of that league. They're normally of that, yeah, of that league. They're normally the country, you know, ah, that's an assured win. But they've been playing valiantly, the Six Nations. All their matches seem somewhat close. The match against Ireland, they they, they pushed Ireland to the brink. Yes, it ended at 420, but it was closer than the scoreline would let it to appear. Uh, their match against... France was also really close. The first the first week match against France, that was 29-24. That was also a really, really close match. So fair play to them. Um this week they face the Italians face Wales, then England versus France. That's a battle of what's the thing? The English Channel. Is that what separates them? Yeah. England versus France. And then Scotland, Ireland will also be a good one because Scotland came in winning their first two matches against England and Wales. So they've set themselves up apart from the British cohort. So if they beat Ireland, they've beat all the Isles. And then next week they face Italy. Then they, they and yeah, Scotland might just surprise a couple of people here and there. But uh, watching the Northern Hemisphere rugby, this Six Nations, they might, they might pose a threat for for the World Cup, they might just end up taking it from the Southern Hemisphere. The yes, they don't they don't have the superstar qualities of the Dan Carters and the how has that whole squads <laughs> like that that squad that that New Zealand that to, to late two thousands early twenty tens New Zealand squad. Why is Dan Carter Ma Nonu Richie McCaw? Uh, the names the names had faded. I was questioning myself. Yeah, they don't have individual superstars like that, the French team or the Irish team. But what they have is ballers all round. Especially for that Irish team, the back row is insane. 
whoever is playing 11, 13, 15, 12, 14, their understanding, their offloading play, their ball movement off the tackle, it's all immaculate. It's hard to get them down to an actual scrum because the ball moves like Fijians in the sevens, just flow after flow after flow after flow. So yeah, come come September, the, that Irish team will be will be one to look out for. Even the the Scots are playing well. Finn Russell, uh, his playmaking, both with his feet and with his long passes to find his twelve and eleven. The 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 Northern Hemisphere is looking is looking quite formidable. Even the English. Are looking, they're looking a bit resilient, but I guess their match today against France will be a very, very good indicator, a very, very good litmus test for them. And Ireland also against England, uh, the final week next week will also be a very, very good litmus test. Uh, yeah, I think that's that for rugby. We don't have sevens this week. Um, Super Rugby hasn't, it's still on week three. It hasn't gotten into that groove yet. Um, but yeah, Sino, it's a podcast. You're one stop spot for everything sporty. As as uh, as the tournament gets uh, more interesting or as the sports updates come up, this is where you will get them. Maybe not fast, but in a prescient manner that illuminates how you understand the sport. I had no idea how that sentence was ending. Speaking of ending, uh, let's just do a quick NBA report, a quick NBA wrap-up. It's been a while. It's been a while since we talk, properly talked about basketball. And uh, not even in the while, but just in the past week, a lot has happened that needs unpacking. First of all, the or first and foremost, rather, the main story out of the NBA, Bro, Jamorant is trying to play himself out of the league. <laughs> Is trying to play himself into the into the hood, and it's been a while since I've seen such antics. It's been a while since I've seen such unnecessary thuggery. Uh, sounds like the name of a hard album, unnecessary thuggery. Uh, yeah, but it's it's been a while since, the, like, it's not victim blaming. It's not racial profiling. Nah, this nigga is just trying to wild out intentionally it really doesn't make sense to me because i don't know how that enhances his image more than being fucking jam around of the grizzlies i don't know how fumbling that to 30 million in five years bug is is a good move for him um but he's lucky he's lucky in that the he's not he's not gonna face criminal charges i i think there aren't any criminal charges for uh, Adnini, uh, uh, what use of a weapon? Negligent use of a weapon, yes. They wanted to post charges for that, but you know, he was just flashing a gun in an Instagram video. He is also lucky that uh, he, okay, the investigation into whether he had a gun in NBA premises is still under, it's still underway, but it's looking more and more likely that he didn't. Because if he did, that's an automatic 50-game suspension. And you don't need a 50-game suspension now just when, you know, your team is putting up uh, a playoff run. So, yeah, the he's lucky that this has just been handled by the club putting him away for four games. It's being handled internally. It's, it'll, it'll help. Like, he's getting the best-case scenario 
with regards to how all this is being handled and uh, and dealt with. But I really hope he doesn't push his luck because he's just starting to mature into a bonafide superstar. He's just getting a team around him that will make the most of him being a superstar. And yeah, let's just hope this doesn't turn out into a tragic story. Speaking of tragic stories, well, I don't know if it's more tragic than a warning sign unto history. Uh, first of all, shout out, happy birthday, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. For those listening, and I like, wait, who the fuck? Who, who's that guy? He's this guy who was a baller in NBA. Baller. Like, I, okay, I just watched his documentary the other day. So I'm having that, you know, two days after watching a documentary where you're like, the, the, the number one professional, you're the number one expert on the topic or on the subject. So just watch his documentary stand uh, the other day. So uh, just to sum up his story quickly, he was a bonafide, bonafide baller. And bonafide is now becoming the new tantalizing. Dead. He was a baller by every definition of the word. You watch his tapes and the way his pull-up shot, his pull-up jumper, his pull-up three, his mid-range game, his layup game. He was 6-1, but he's touching 7-2 centers. He was nice. He was legitimately nice. He was, he was a sure shot. He once went to 80, scoring 23 free throws in a row. 283 free throws in a row. 283. That's insane. 283 days gets you to September, October there. So imagine what it takes to not only put up all those shots, but to make them in a row. So yeah, he was bowling, um, but he was a principled person. He also was raised without a clue about who his father was. So he, in his seek for personhood, he found faith in his, he was raised Christian, but you know the church. He had all the questions. He had all the questions most of the people raised in the church always have. He found faith in Islam, changed his name from Chris Jackson to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Having been brought up in Mississippi, you can imagine what that did to the whites. And then after that, he, he scrutinized America and he just stopped standing for the, for the national anthem. Not with an intention to grab multimedia to, to turn it into a media thing or anything. In fact, he had been sitting down for six months before someone even noticed. He was just doing it out of a personal conviction that standing up for what America does is not the way to go. Especially with this newfound faith and with this newfound piety, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. So this guy essentially was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. And I'm not just using hyperbole there. Watch him play. He's a more efficient Steph Curry if that's even possible. So he was Steph before Steph. And then he was... Bruh, I just saw someone call him Throza Parks. Throza Parks on Nini the other day. Now I've forgotten his name. What's my... Uh, it's a 49ers quarterback. Colin Kaepernick. Throza Parks was funny. Yeah, but yeah, Colin Kaepernick. He was Colin Kaepernick with, before Colin Kaepernick. Eh? He was Colin Kaepernick before Colin Kaepernick without even trying to be that in the first place all i'm trying to say is i was i was surprised uh 
when I was watching his story that I was just coming to learn of his story, but glad that his story is still being told. So it just happens to be his birthday week. And here at the podcast, we shout out the real OGs. So yes, happy birthday, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Now back to the bowling, enough of the sideshows. Just spoken about them, Steph Curry and his Golden State Warriors. These guys can't play on the road to save their lives. The record is now 7-26. to I was hoping after Draymond and Dylan Brooks had their back and forth, they would ball out against the Grizzlies. But nah, they, they got beaten there. And considering how close the playoff brackets are in the West, with what? Is it two games or three games separating third, third from tenth? Uh, let me just confirm this. Yeah, it is three. The tenth place team is the New Orleans, the Pelicans with thirty-two wins, and the Grizzlies have thirty-nine wins. So it's seven games. The Suns have thirty-seven, so it's five games for them. The Lakers are in ninth seed with thirty-three. And the Mavericks have 34. So the West is tight, is what I'm trying to say. The Warriors are now at seventh. They're in the play. With the way this thing is going, they might need to put up all the wins at home to ensure they come through at least fourth so that they have home court advantage for the playoffs. Otherwise, their road game this season is, is a very, very worrying sight. Speaking of coming fourth, the Suns are now in fourth place in the Western Conference. Uh, KD slipped just before his home debut. He slipped in the most awkward thing I've ever seen in basketball. Okay, no. Whatever happened to Paul George in that US basketball training is... Yeah, that's the last thing I've ever seen in basketball. But yeah. KD slipping was a heart-in-hand moment because he's just coming from injury. We want to watch him play. He hasn't played against LeBron in a regular season game for like five years now. Uh, they have one coming up end of March. So we are hoping they'll both be strapped up and ready to ball for that speaking of lebron nigga the lakers are balling ah the lakers are balling i know i was commiserating about them the other uh episode but ad is playing out of his mind he was putting up 30 tens 30 yet yeah, 30 tens the game before this last game he puts up six in this last game but the rest of the squad turns the fuck up Dilo is back. I am so happy D'Angelo Russell is on Laker again. You have no idea. Putting up three after three, you're standing the game on. Dennis Schroeder is also shooting on top out of his mind. Rui Huchimura is balling. I'm so, I'm so, I'm glad by the work Rob Belinka did in that deadline. I was, I was beginning to question him and think maybe it's our familiarity bias that's keeping him along. Uh, I mean, keeping him with the organization, but he proved himself. He really has proved himself with this team. So if they can keep this chugging and they can keep this going, and they are now 7-3 and three in their last 10 in a three-game win streak. If they can finish the season sixth and above, avoid their necessary two, three games of the plane, get arrested LeBron back. So for five days of... of just drinking and hyping up his son on Twitter, that playoff run could be scary. That playoff run could be really, really scary. Because aside from like the Nuggets, all these other teams in the West have weaknesses here and there. They have chinks in their armor here and there. The Pelicans were looking like the formidable team, but B.I., Brandon Ingram and Zion can't stay healthy long enough. 
The Grizzlies are looking scary, but Steven Adams is injured. Ja is going through Ja shades. Uh, I think Clark is also injured. The Clippers, after adding Westbrook, I thought, Baha, I thought. Um, they're what? Four in six since. Uh, but at least Kawhi is playing regularly now. Uh, all I'm trying to say is the West is not... It's tucked, yes, but it's not as solid as, uh, as, as, as people are making it out to be. The Kings are the only tricky team there because they are playing like... All these other, all the other relegation teams. I was, I mean, all the other relegation teams I was mentioning, they're playing like a team with nothing to lose, nothing to take home. Just leave it all on the court, and they're third. Shout out! I mean, they're second in the conference. Shout out to the coaching. Shout out to Dion Fox. Shout out to Malink Monk to Sabonis. They balled out yesterday, uh, and yeah, the team in Sacramento is doing the thing. Uh, um, to wrap up this basketball conversation and I'm guessing also today's episode there's that whole controversy against the what's it called? Against the MVP rankings uh, what's his name? Jokic uh, there was, there was controversy, I mean uh, conversation has been raised around the fact that it seems Jokic is only winning. He's only winning these things because he's white. Uh, Kendrick Parkins, that's the name I'm trying to remember. Kendrick Parkins is the one who brought up this whole uh, white people are judged against another metric argument for the MVP. I guess all I can say to that is the MVP in the NBA has always been a strange, a strange title. One to to award and two was a fun to watch. The conversation around how it's awarded. It's uh, it's supposed to be the best player in the best team during the regular season, or the most valuable player to the best team during the regular season. But when LeBron was that, it became ah voter fatigue. They're tired of just giving him always, always, always. How Kobe didn't win more than one is is insane because. There's that stretch from two those two Steve Nash won. There's no way in hell he's beat he beat Kobe twice there. The, so it's not this uh unbiased award that is a is a proper certification of you being one, the best player of the league. Because it's not the best, it's not given to the best player of the league. It's given to the most valuable player in the league. That's where the controversy always comes with it. But even more than that, I'll see the case for Joel Embiid keeps getting stronger and stronger every day. Yesterday, he put up a crazy... That, that last shot he made to, to seal the win, turn around mid-range fadeaway jumper, at his size to pull that off. What he keeps on doing for Philly, his, his game keeps on improving. I guess the facilitating role that Jokic has in the Nuggets is more pronounced than what Embiid does for the Sixers because he has he has uh, James Harden for help. But the, the conversation around the MVP has never been... It's not this clear cut. It's not this surefire way of getting to know who the best player in that league was for that season. 
But I guess that's the case with anything that people vote for because I could argue the same when it comes to the Oscars, the Grammys, the Ballon d'Or, the best football awards I was just given the other day. So I guess when it comes to voter best awards, especially if the votes are by a closed group of so-called professionals, this shit is always bound to happen. Another thing that's always bound to happen is Assets Podcast giving you a comprehensive and (laughs) tantalizing conversation and everything spotty. To wrap it up uh, today and for this weekend, I I forgot that Inter was beaten yesterday by Spezia. I didn't even know. I thought Spezia was a car, some Italian tiny car. But nah, they're a club with heart and grit. They scored first through Daniele Maldini. He's on loan from AC Milan. So I can imagine for the Maldini family, watching him score, watching him score against Inter, watching him score the goal that puts Inter behind, they must have celebrated them. I mean, they must have celebrated that goal uh, insanely. That's even a word. Then Romelu Lukaku brought them back in with a penalty. This guy has has somehow scored 50 goals in the Serie A in 86 games. Nigga, you watch him play and you don't even see two ten goals. Hey, that's thank God that guy left Man United. Watching him yesterday, the flashbacks, the flashbacks. I was just seeing the gambut memes, of but fair play to him. He gets gets his results, scores a penalty, thinks he's brought his team back in for a one one at the it was at the eightieth eighty first minute. Then Dumfries, who won the penalty on one side, concedes a penalty on the other side, and Nzola. The, that that hey this where was he from is he from Cameroon or something or Angola uh, that he's a Spezia striker and he took a penalty in the half to put Spezia ahead so yeah that's how the weekend begins let's hope the drama will continue flowing from there this is podcast your one stop spot for everything sporty have a lovely weekend remember love is the answer spread the word the smile and at the end of it all, the glory and honor belongs to God through his son Christ Jesus, the King of all kings. Peace, matter this bitch.